What we're going to learn this morning is, or today I should say, is that there are some, there, let me just make it singular, there's something uh, that we should be concerned about and there's something that we should not be concerned about. This is probably easier to talk about than it is to do. And I want to start by considering what it says in Matthew 6, 31 to 34. So since we're in Matthew, that won't be far to go. Matthew 6, 31 to 34. And this is the admonition of uh, what God does to take care of our fears and anxiety. Uh, what should we do? So I want to look at verse 31, Matthew chapter 6, and it says this. Do not worry. Uh, that's uh, our word we talk about when we talk about anxiety. Do not be anxious. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for our clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A lot of us have a habit of living a whole bunch of days in the future at one time and then we get distracted and we get worried and we get anxious and God says you need to just take one day at a time. I will take care of you. I'll take care of the things that you need. And so we are again reminded there's some things we should be concerned about and some things we should not be concerned about. The things that we are not to worry about are our physical well-being. Things like food, shelter, clothing, health, those issues. The good Heavenly Father, as he calls himself in the Bible and is, knows that we have the daily need for all these things. We need to have shelter, we need to have food, we need to have clothes, and he provides those for us. And that should bring comfort to us because that's what human beings need on a daily basis. The something that we should be concerned about is the pursuit of God's kingdom and the pursuit of God's righteousness in this world. The other stuff will be added to us by God. That means I'll take care of that. Don't you be concerned about it. You be concerned about the things of my kingdom, and you be concerned about the things of righteousness. And I want to say the things of faith, our faith, the Christian faith. Since each day has enough trouble of its own, take one day at a time. Tomorrow is not worth being anxious about today. What is worth being uh, concerned about today is the righteousness of God. Am I serving him? And are there things hindering me, maybe temporal values that keep me from doing what God wants me to do? Now, we've been going along uh, verse by verse in the book of Matthew. Today brings us to Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12. And I want to read that this morning, and here's what it says. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea. He's talking about the Sea of Galilee. But they had forgotten to bring any bread. Now that sounds a little bit familiar because Matthew's talked a lot of times about the issue of bread, like the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. Where are we going to get this food that we need? So the disciples jump in a boat. They go to meet Jesus where exactly he is. The text doesn't say, but they had to cross the Sea of Galilee. They get there. And uh, they, they somehow remember, hey, we forgot to bring any bread to eat. They're talking about physical bread. And Jesus said to them in this situation, watch out and beware of the leaven, we could say the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, so not in Jesus' hearing, or at least they thought that. And they began to discuss this among themselves, and here's what they said. 
He said that because we did not bring any bread. So Jesus is teaching something spiritually, and all of a sudden they stop and say, hey, hey guys, I, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that we forgot the bread again this time, and we didn't bring it with us. Verse 8, but Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? He's talking about the physical bread that they're talking about. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the 5,000? He's talking about the people that they fed, plus women and children. And how many baskets full you picked up? How many leftovers there were? Or do you not remember the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? How is it? Now, this is one of those times you wouldn't want to be uh, one of Jesus' disciples standing there listening to this because you're going to get chewed out in a very loving way. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? I'm not talking about dough. But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And thankfully, Matthew in verse 12 tells us exactly what Jesus meant. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus comes against them quite often. In, uh, in chapter 23, he will rip these religious leaders to shreds because they are false teachers, false prophets, and not following what God wants them to do. So if you're following along in your bulletin, point number one, verse number five is this. The disciples crossed over the sea to Jesus, but they forgot to pack bread for themselves. Now that's just basically what happened in the text. Well, let's talk about it. What this does is it sets up a scene for us for, to understand what it is that Jesus is teaching his disciples. And it's fun for us to see how he couches this in everyday situations, everyday goings on. It's just that the problem is the disciples keep living as if everything is just about every day and it's not about the spiritual things of God. So we're set up for this scene to understand what Jesus is really talking about. He's talking to his disciples, which means if you know Christ is your Savior, he's talking to you and he's talking to me. We remember that these are the men that he's talking to, the disciples, except for Judas, who will soon be assuming the responsibility for the forward advancement of the ministry of Jesus Christ because he's going to leave it in their hands and their job is going to be to build a church. They're to build a worldwide church and these are the guys that Jesus picked to do it except for Judas. What kind of men should they be? If we ask ourselves that question, who would Jesus pick to be the people that will plant the church in the world? What kind of spiritual giants should they be? We would think most likely that they should be spiritual in nature. You got that? They should be spiritual in nature. Not people that are tied up in the temporal values of this world and uh, you know what's going to be on the plate tonight for supper and things like that. But people who are thinking spiritually and they're thinking spiritually mature in the way that they're thinking. We want them to be men of faith. We want them to have their eyes on the right priorities in life, the priorities that God has prioritized, not on things that don't matter. It is important that they learn the lessons that Jesus is teaching them so they can carry on, build the church, and teach us what we should do. The lesson will revolve around something that pertains to the baking of bread and yeast. Now, you all know that in the Passover, 
they were not to bake any bread with yeast because they didn't have time to let it rise. It's, it's in a hurry. And that's why today at, on our communion table, you know, we have what appears to be a little wafer, a little cracker. It has no yeast in it. It has no leaven in it because that's the way Jesus designed the meal. And Jesus is talking about bread and he's talking about yeast, but he's not talking about it in the way that these guys think that he is. The lesson that he's going to give us is going to revolve around something that pertains to the baking of bread and yeast, but it's not really about bread and it's not really about yeast, not this kind anyway. Leaven is what uh, people put into bread to make it rise, and it takes a while. Um, Noel sometimes treats us with uh, cinnamon rolls that we buy that are frozen, right? And then you break the thing open. Well, you don't want those to rise right away. So uh, bless her heart, if it's going to be the next morning, in the middle of the night, she'll get up, go to the refrigerator, and put them out on the counter. Why? Well, so they can raise, so they can get bigger. Because Greg doesn't like his this big around, and you can't eat them, see? Okay. So she does that, and that's because of the, of the leaven, and it's going to rise. It's going to get bigger. It is a substance, leaven is, or yeast, or, and, and it could be talking about baking powder as well, that causes a process of fermentation so that the expansion of dough takes place. Yeast is literally a fungus. It is a single cell microorganism that needs food, warmth, and moisture to thrive. That's why it has to come out of the refrigerator. It's not going to start. We're going to be talking about yeast figuratively today. Probably there isn't a woman in here that doesn't have at home somewhere, you know, some packets of yeast for when they bake. But we're not talking about the literal yeast. We're talking about it figuratively, a non-literal sense, but it has a literal meaning. It is an element in that sense. It is an influence as a figure, an agent that works subtly to lighten or modify everything that it comes in contact with. Jesus said a little yeast will, will leaven the entire lump of dough. It doesn't take much to affect the dough. And this element that we're talking about in a non-literal sense is something that is going to affect something else, and we'll talk about what that is. What the disciples know at the point of arriving where Jesus is is that they don't have any bread uh, that they're going to have to have to eat, Right? Jesus is elsewhere in his current thought process when he meets with the trainees for ministry and he assumes that they're also thinking in ministry terms when they're around him. That's something we don't want to miss. We don't want to run by that and miss that. Jesus assumes, okay, get this. Jesus is saying to them, when you're with me, what are you, be, what are you going to be thinking about? Well, Lord, we're going to be thinking about spiritual things. We're going to be thinking about things of the faith. We're going to be thinking about things that have to do with your ministry and what you're training us to do. Instead, they're thinking about a loaf of bread. And Jesus doesn't, doesn't understand that for them. What, what are you guys here for? It, we're not here to worry about what we're going to eat for, for supper or what we're going to eat for lunch. We're here to worry about what we need to do for ministry, worry in the sense of take concern for it. And so I want to have you think about the word faith in a, maybe a little different way today and, and a broader sense, not faith just in believing Jesus and believing what Jesus can do, but a faith that if somebody said to you, are you a member of the faith, they're talking about Christianity. They're talking about the whole thing. Are you a part of the faith or are you not? And we would say, no, I'm a, I'm a member of the faith, which means I should be acting a certain way every day and I should be thinking about things of the faith, my religion. Uh, what I believe in that Jesus has taught me. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. 
In verses 6 through 11, which is going to take up the uh, uh, majority of the rest of our text, we're going to learn this. Our minds should be focused on the spiritual battle more than the physical issues. Our minds should be focused on the spiritual battle more than just on physical issues. In verse 6, the first thing out of Jesus' mouth for the disciples was to beware and look out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, there's no doubt that Jesus heard them, you know, talking about the bread, we forgot the bread. Jesus is a genius, of course, about word pictures and metaphors and, and relating life uh, issues to spiritual issues. Say, the guys just remembered they forgot the bread. Let's talk about a different bread. And there's the bread of life, whom Jesus is, and there's the bread of death, who is represented by the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are not following the truth of the word of God. And he wants them to know, be careful of that kind of bread which you eat. Don't eat the bread of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Eat the bread that Jesus Christ is prepared for, to give you. So uh, the first thing out of his mouth is that spiritual issue, that spiritual truth. But the disciples are thinking about literal bread and yeast. Jesus must know that they didn't bring the bread, didn't he? Is there anything like that Jesus doesn't know? When he asked them when he fed the 5,000, how much food do you have so we can feed everybody? He knew what the answer was. When he asked how much do we have for the 4,000, he knew what the answer was. Pretty much nothing. He wasn't concerned about did they bring bread with them in the boat. He wasn't concerned about what they were going to eat that day. Why would he be? Now they're probably discussing uh, what relationship there is between the religious leaders and bread. Can you imagine that? Okay, hey, wait a minute, guys. Uh, I'm not sure what the bread has to do with the religious leaders. What do you guys think? And they throw out some things, and they miss it. And in verse 7, they discuss this among themselves, saying, well, the reason he said that is because we didn't bring any bread. No, the reason he said that is because he wants to make an illustration out of the bread that you didn't bring. And he wants to talk about bread, but not physical bread, but a figurative bread, which is really uh, has something to do with the elements of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They conclude that he said this uh, by, because of the lack of bread, but they were wrong. Probably they concluded somewhat like this. Jesus is telling them not to purchase bread that has a connection to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, we still haven't made it to a spiritual level. Now, I don't know, uh, there could have been, I don't know if there was some sort of religious leader's bakery uh, in, the, in the nation where, you know, come and buy yourself some pharisaical bread, it's fresh out of the oven, or get yourself a, a piece of Sadducee bread, uh, but we're on the wrong track here. Uh, they're thinking somewhere along the wrong track. Now, um, of course, I wrote this uh, message about 25 weeks ago, but something happened yesterday that fits something I'm going to say here, so I'm going to add an illustration. Have you ever had your mind on something, maybe while you're talking with somebody else, and you just assume they're either continuing the subject or they, or they changed the subject and they didn't, and you're lost? Have you ever had your mind on something related to something someone else tells you, and you just assume you're both on the same page, and as you talk, you figure out, we are not on the same page. It's wrong. Uh, I kept track of that yesterday when Noel and I were driving back from Manhattan, and we got into two conversations where at the end of it, I was one place and she was completely somewhere else. We had to come back and say, what are you talking about? I said, okay, well, I'm talking about this. And this is what's happening here. They don't know uh, that they're not talking at this point about what Jesus is talking about. 
The conclusion was that this must be what Jesus is talking about, and it wasn't. They're way off base. And Jesus is going to call them out on that. You know what? He, he's a little bit tough on his disciples once in a while when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So in the first part of verse 8, Jesus, aware of this, all right, he knew they didn't bring any bread. He knew they forgot that. He knew what they were talking about because the Spirit of God reveals this to him. And then he says these words that he said many times before, you men of little faith, ouch. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you have no bread? <laughs> Why are we wasting time talking about that? Let's take a little tour. Uh, this is one of Matthew's uh, pet peeves with the disciples, of which he is one. You go back to chapter 6 and verse 30. And guess what he brings up? He says, but God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? All right, uh, Lord, I, I should have enough faith to believe you're going to take care of my food, my clothing, my shelter. And, and they would say after that, I get it. Well, they, they really didn't get it. Go to Matthew 8, chapter 26. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 26. <clears throat> there he thought they were perishing in a boat that was out of control. In verse 26, Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? You men of little faith. Now, this isn't food, clothes, or shelter, but it's a storm that they're in. It's a problem that they're having. And Jesus said, why haven't you applied faith to this? Why did you let fear take over your faith? Because you all know what fear does to faith, right? It kills it. And fear does away with faith. And so that's the last thing we want as Christians to do. Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? He gets up and he rebukes the wind and the sea and became perfectly calm. And they're standing on the boat with their mouths open. What is this, that even the wind and the waves obey this man? And then let's just go to chapter 14 and verse 31. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith. Now this is Peter who started to walk on the water and didn't make it. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? You know what else kills faith? Doubt. Doubt. Jesus, can you do this for me? And he doesn't do it. And you say, well, I had, a, I had a sneaking suspicion that he wouldn't be able to do it. Or he wouldn't do it. And that's doubt. Okay, one more. Matthew 17, verse 20. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, uh, they were talking about why they couldn't drive out a demon. Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. For the man or the woman of faith, that's what he's talking about. If things aren't happening in your life, in your ministry, in your faith, one of the ways we need to check on that, and one of the reasons why it might be that I'm doubting or I'm fearful and I don't have faith. Now, it's not always the case, but it's something we'd want to check, I think. Jesus wants to know, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? They have missed the point Jesus is making. And his comments went right over their heads. And they're off on another track, a completely different track. 
And Jesus says to them, why? Why are you not here with me? Why are you not tracking with me? And so that's what I want to say about this time. He says, you men of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you have no bread when you should be discussing the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Why are you doing that? And I think there he's using faith in that broad term. You are members of faith in me. You're going to be leaders of the church someday. And, and you, you men of little faith, the faith should control you. It should in, enfold you. It should encircle you. It should be all your life is about. It should be what you're doing every day. And he might just be saying here, instead of you people are doubting and you're fearful, he might be saying, you're not living in the faith that I want you to live. You're concerned about the, the things of the world and you're concerned about bread that you're going to eat. Be men of the faith. Be men of Christianity, which is not a word yet, but it will be. Uh, it's going to be one, one day in Antioch. They're going to start calling them Christians. You men of little faith, quit living so much in the world and not so much in the spiritual life. Otherwise, you would have got this. See, Jesus is talking about a spiritual issue. And they're talking about physical bread. The leaven of the Pharisees is apparently not related to dough and not related to some Pharisaic bakery somewhere in Jerusalem. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus gets down to the nitty-gritty of their problem. He says to them, and, and this is a rhetorical question, right? He assumes the answer. They don't have to say it out loud. He says, do you not yet understand or remember? Now, there's two things going on there. Do you remember what I did? Well, yeah, we were there. We helped pick up the baskets that were left over. Did you understand what I did? You know what the answer is? No, we did not understand what that meant. We just thought that was a pretty cool thing you did in that mirror where everybody got to eat. You mean there's spiritual understanding behind that? You mean I, I should know something about my relationship with God because of that? Is that what you're saying? And Jesus, yes, is saying that. So do, do you yet not understand or remember the five loaves and the 5,000 people? And he's, he's only talking about the men. What about the women and children? And how many baskets full you picked up there? Yeah, you picked up 12. Or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many baskets full you picked up there? Seven, but they were little bigger baskets. Don't you remember that and don't you understand it? See, he's trying to point out the fact that they really don't understand it. See, when God does something in our life, when God helps us, maybe God will do a miracle for us. When God does that, we're supposed to learn something from that. We're supposed to learn from that miracle. We're supposed to learn from that answered prayer. And in learning from that answered prayer, we're supposed to incorporate that in the rest of our life. So have the disciples already forgotten about the feeding of the 5,000? Or the feeding of the 4,000? No, they have not. They remember that. And by the way, plus women and children, we could be talking upwards of 20,000 people that they fed in those two instances. We could easily be talking about the feeding of the 20,000. Did you guys remember that? Yes. And then Jesus says, basically, you, you do not yet understand or remember the spiritual lesson, what God did. What did he do? Well, so let's take a pause from all the pressure on the disciples, okay? What about us as disciples, okay? Let's put some, some of this to us. So we're going to pause from the action in the text here a minute and ask some questions. Do you suppose that Jesus ever wanted 
to say that to you or me. To say to you, you person of, of little faith, whether it's doubt or fear or whether it's not giving my life over to the faith that Jesus wants me to live in Christianity. Let me pause from that action and ask us that question. You think Jesus has ever wanted to say to you, oh, Greg, you man of little faith? Or, Greg, do you not remember some of the powerful things that I've done in your presence or maybe even used you for? Well, then we might ask, Lord, and this is going to sound terrible because it is, well, Lord, do you expect me to trust you now just because you helped me in the past? Ouch. The answer to that is a great big yes, he does. And that is the answer, isn't it? See, faith should grow and not degenerate. Faith should get bigger and not smaller if we remember what God has done and build on that. Well, then the issue is going to be, then why don't I do it? Why don't I have faith? Why don't I stick with it? How did I forget so quickly? I shouldn't have. And yet, that's what we do. Thank goodness God gives us 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, and 7th, and 8th, and ninth and 10th chances. <laughs> and he never gives up on us. But I think there's times that he's probably been disappointed with me that I didn't learn the lesson of the faith that he gave me. The point is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 says that. So if anything changed, it's not Jesus, it's Greg. I'm the one who changes. And I'm the one who disobeys. And I'm the one that diminishes his faith, not Jesus. Disciples, I'm talking to you now, because we took a pause, right? Think about that. How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up when God gave his last lesson? God is more than enough. And now if we go back to the disciples, they're, to think, they're supposed to think about it too. How many baskets did you pick up those two times? And then Jesus wants to know, what does that tell you? Guys, what does that tell you? Hey, men, <laughs> leaders of the future church, what does that tell you? What does it teach you? Well, it tells me that Jesus would most likely not have a concern for physical bread. He hasn't in the past, right? Uh, we, we just didn't get it then, what you're talking about. It tells me that he cares for our needs so we don't have to worry about them. And we should be thinking more spiritually. We should be thinking about the faith. And in my life, when I have missed a meal, which you can look at me and say, oh, he's talking about it very few times. When I have missed a meal in my life, it wasn't because I didn't have any food. It was because I chose to, chose to miss it. It's never because Jesus hasn't provided something to eat. He always has. So we need to get our heads wrapped around what Jesus is saying and uh, what he's concerned enough to warn us about. Now, um, I'm going to bring in one more thing I heard this morning that I didn't hear when I wrote this. This morning I was listening to SRN News, right? And one of the things it brought up was a George Barna poll. You know, George Barna does a lot of polls on the church. And what he said is this. He was asking the question, why is America in trouble? And as they polled different Christians, what they have found out is that Christians, uh, the majority of them, because they used to say there was 30% of us Christians in America, he said, well, they still claim that, and people claim Christ, 
but the 20% have been syncretistic. And what they've done is they've chosen a few things from Jesus that they like, and then they go to Hinduism, or they go to Buddhism, or Shintoism, or they go to some other, other thing that claims to be a faith, and they like some of the stuff from there, uh, like, like yoga. They might like yeah, that, which is Hinduism. And they bring that into their life. And so they're not purely people of the faith. They're not purely Christians. They're getting worldviews from other worldviews. They're picking up supposed truth from other religions that claim that they're saying the truth. And, and uh, he said, I'll tell you why America's, America's in trouble today. Because as far as we can tell, by our survey, only 10% of Christians in America are actually people of the faith instead of of different faiths. Ouch, that hurts. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be those kind of people. If we say we're Christians, we, we want you to know we mean of this faith and not some other faith. And we're not going to synchronize those things into our life. So Jesus says in verse 11, how is it, guys, how is it? As long as I've been with you, as much as you've seen, the miracles you've seen, how is it that you don't understand I was not wasting my time, I was not beating around the bush, it's not because I wanted to talk about physical bread, but I, I was not speaking about your concern for dough. But... Right? That's a big contrast. Here's what I was talking about. Beware of the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know what that means? The religious leaders of your day are mixing error and truth and feeding it to you. They're mixing error and truth and they're perverting the truth by that, that mix. And Jesus says, watch out. And we're going to get a real picture of that when we get to Matthew 23 which will be next year sometime, but we're going to get there. <laughs> Unless we get raptured. And I think, I think Jesus will gather you and he says, Greg, I want you to at least finish your sermons. You worked so hard. Like, that would be heaven, would it? Okay, all right. The point is, the Lord Jesus wants to know, why is your head in the dough instead of in spiritual issues? I want you to be, I want you to be cautious about the lies that drip out of the lips of these religious leaders because they're attacking Jesus with them too. And Jesus has to correct them constantly because they're constantly wrong. So in verse 11, Jesus makes the point clear. The point is that I need to be uh, people, I need to be a person that's a kingdom-focused person if I'm going to be a member of the faith, a point I need to think about strategically when it comes to ministry. Jesus is essentially saying, how is it that you're not on board with what we're doing here? What did you come across the lake for, to worry about breakfast? There's people here that need to be taken care of. Why would I take time, Jesus might say, he doesn't say he said it, so I'm making this up, but why, why would I take time to discuss something that I could make in a millisecond? Why are you worried about bread? I could say, let there be bread. Here it is. Fresh out of somewhere, heaven, it's fresh. Why would he be concerned about it? Well, he's not. That's not a problem for Jesus. Jesus wants, how did you miss the real point? I never said one word about literal bread. He said, be aware, be on the lookout for that which the Pharisees put in the truth of God 
to make it what it isn't. The religious leaders' teachings are poison, and they are spreading throughout Israel like spiritual cancer. Watch it. Why? Well, because they're going to attack you too. They're going to say you're not teaching the truth. And then in verse 12, whoops, too many pages there. In verse 12, ah, now I get it. Then they understood. He wasn't trying to say, watch out for leaven of bread, but the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So friends, that's still true today. We don't live in a place where there's Pharisees and Sadducees. People in the world do. But we learned that the disciple is to stay on task with the teachings about spiritual warfare. Let's get our head in the game in terms of what we're involved in here in the faith. Great news. We don't have to be afraid or watch out for yeast and bread. So you can go home if you're having yeast with bread in it, eat away. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about false teaching. Also great news. Uh, we need to be uh, playing heads up ministry because the teachings of the enemy involve us and put us under attack just like Jesus was. Satan is the perverting influence into sound doctrine and he's doing it everywhere and pulpits are reflecting that all over the world. Jesus has already, you know why? Well, because they're too interested in seeing, well, who's going to come because they had their ears tickled today and who, who, who came and felt good and they're going to come back to feel good next week. But let's don't give them any truth. Let's don't tell them what's really going on. And that's how they build big churches. That's not how you build a big church if you tell the truth. Jesus already told them the Pharisees and Sadducees are blind guides leading the blind, Matthew 15, 13, and 14. Apparently, the poison that they're spreading is designed to keep the masses away from believing the Messiah, the truth. So what is the danger then when Jesus leaves to the apprentices when they take over the helm of the ship of the church and they try to do it. Here's what Jesus said they're going to encounter in Matthew 15, 18 and following. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. See, you side with Jesus, you've got an enemy. It's called the world. Remember, the word that I told you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. There will be hope in this ministry. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. Because, excuse me, because they do not know the one who sent me. They have no relationship with Jesus. Dr. David Turner put it this way, and I'm quoting Today, as then, disciples need to have their memories of God, God's faithful, even miraculous provision for their needs refreshed. Such a reminder, coupled with a renewed awareness of the spiritual battle being waged against the kingdom of God, let's call it the faith, should sharpen the mental and spiritual focus of the people of God. And nothing like us living in the end days and what's happening in this world should get us to be sharpened and focused on what we're doing for the faith. I think that's what he's trying to say even to them. So by way of application, if you're following along there in your bulletin, number one, God does care deeply about us and he will take care of us even in persecution. So the whole point of that is that's the first part of what Jesus said. 
I'm going to take care of your needs. Matthew 6. Don't worry about your food, your clothing, your shelter. I'll take care of that. Secondly, let's have our minds on the things above and not on the things of this world. That's not where the people of faith live. That's not what we think about uh, the world when we walk into a room. It's, the world is not what we think about when we're sitting at a ball game and there's unsaved people around us. That's not what we're there for. We're there for the kingdom. We're people of faith. We see through the eyes of the faith. We think the thoughts of Jesus, and that's how we live. That's how we're different. Thirdly, we are in a spiritual battle. Friends, in this world, people hate Christianity. If you're a Christian, guess what? They hate you too. Satan already has hated you since the day you were conceived in the womb. Beware and watch out. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour or deceive. The Bible promises that. Uh, Peter tells us about that. And finally this. Don't be afraid of yeast. Be aware of the poison of false teachings. We're talking about two different things there. And the false teachings can kill you. The yeast in bread will not. We're going to prepare to take the Lord's Supper together. And um, I guess I just decided I'm going to use uh, the Mark passage, Mark 14, if you want to follow along with that. Let me say this about the table of the Lord. This, this is not a table designed for you to go into a time of introspection and guilt. You've been invited to dine with the Master in remembrance of him, and someday you'll actually be at a table with him to eat. That, that's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of happiness. It's a time of thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. Thank you for being my Lord and Master, and thank you for the fellowship of my fellow brothers and sisters that we have. It's a celebration. It's a privilege to be able to eat of this table because it says, I have joined in covenant with the Savior